0: We've all been hurt. We all have scars. And through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we can all overcome and we can all be healed. Welcome to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. This segment of Healing Scars with Pastor Burton is brought to you by Scars and Stripes Coffee. Premium coffee that directly empowers the life of a veteran. Get yours today at www.ss.com dot coffee forward slash Rominger that's www dot dot coffee forward slash R O M I N G E R Hey guys welcome back everyone you know sometimes life just sucks it does you know you think you're doing everything right But things just don't seem to be going your way. You start to get frustrated. What did I do wrong? Why can't I seem to get a break? Where's God in all this? You know, we're led to believe that when you do the right things, that everything will fall in line. That karma will somehow boomerang those good deeds back to you. Let me tell you something. That's not biblical you can do all the good things you can think of and be one of the best people on the planet good works won't get you into heaven nor do they grant you what you want here on earth like some kind of an allowance from the father as the old idiom goes the road to hell is paved with good intentions let me tell you something else karma is not biblical either There's no such thing. No such thing. In fact, the Bible tells us that life isn't going to be fair. All the way from the beginning, all the way back in Genesis, as early as Genesis chapter 35, verses 9 through 10, the Bible tells us that God changed Jacob's name to Israel, meaning He struggles with God. So whenever you hear about the country of Israel, that's something to keep in mind. He struggles with God. This is a firm reminder to Israel that even though his life would have struggles, God was right there with him. You know, people get hung up on this notion that if they go to church, they get baptized, they call themselves a Christian, that suddenly everything is going to be all right. That they're going to see a bright light coming from above, like Juliet, Jake, and the Blues Brothers, and suddenly they can't be touched because they're on a mission from God. And then they're disappointed because things are still tough. Jacob's new name of Israel was a tribute to the fact that he still desired to stay close to God in spite of the many difficulties that arose in his life. And there were many. See, bad things are going to happen. Matter of fact, life's going to be downright painful sometimes. Don't let what's going on in that storm control you to the point that you take your eyes off of God. Instead, look at these as opportunities to grow, to grow personally in your relationship with God. Take these problems, set them at His feet, tell Him how you're feeling, and trust that He will help you overcome them. Now, at this point, we need to ask ourselves Are you disappointed? Because you're not getting what you want? And then ask yourself if what you want glorifies God or yourself. I'm going to repeat that. Does what you want glorify God or yourself? Keep that question in mind. We're going to come back to it. We're going to start with the first question here. So. Are you disappointed because you're not getting what you want? In response to this question, in response to the first question, the Bible tells us, in Philippians chapter four, verse nineteen. All right, so uh, we're looking at Philippians chapter four, verse nineteen. The Bible says, "And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of His glory in Jesus Christ." The word is telling us. that we can trust God to meet our needs. There is a distinct difference between needs and wants. The Bible doesn't say God was, will give us our wants. We won't always get what we want. But we will get what we need. And when we full, fully trust in Jesus for our needs, our mindset begins to change. It changes from wanting all these things to accepting what we have. And that is when it becomes sufficient. It's not that you won't want things, but your mindset will change to one where you're no longer disappointed if you don't get whatever that is. Now, for those of you who are following along in your Bible or your Bible app, Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be looking at verses 9 through 10. So 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 9 through 10. The Bible says, But he said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses. So that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. So Paul, Paul had been praying and talking to God for a while. He he had. Uh, this ailment that he was dealing with, and he was asking God to remove it from him. Matter of fact, he he referred to it as a thorn in his side. You ever wondered where that term came from? This is it right here. So instead, in verse 9, God did not remove Paul's affliction. Instead, he made a promise to show his power in Paul. God showing his power in our weaknesses. That is what brings light into our dark moments. This is something that should give hope and encourage us all. All right? You know, that's that's that light at the end of the tunnel that they talk about right there. You know, it's, it's a reminder. Things are going to be okay. It's also a reminder that when we recognize our own weakness that we should depend on God to help us with them. When we admit these weaknesses, we're confirming and testifying to God's strength in our lives. That's our testimony. Our testimony. God's strength in our lives, what God does for us. Now, verse 10, this serves to remind us that when we feel strong, that's when our egos kick in and we start believing we can do things on our own without God. That's when we risk no longer depending on him and flexing our own muscles like it was all on us. We start beating our own chest so hard that we bruise it. We lose sight of God and our own arrogance. And that sin, that sin Is called pride. This doesn't mean we should try to be weak. You shouldn't. It just means that in our weak moments, and we all have them, and we have many of them, we need to remember to look to God to do the heavy lifting for us. Now, as far as wants go, Remember, parents can't always give their children everything. If you're a parent yourself, it makes it even easier to remember that because you know. Um, but, you know, even if you're not, you know. You know uh, you know, your parents can't always give you everything. In hindsight, you understand better, um, you know, nephews, nieces, et cetera, et cetera. You know, um, especially if it's something that's not going to be good for them. You know, instead, this is where we should all look at Psalm 23, Verse 1. So Psalm 23, verse 1. The Bible says, The Lord is my shepherd, I lack nothing. Or, as other translations read, The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Let me say that again I shall not want. Which brings us to that second question. Does what you want glorify God or yourself? Does what you want glorify Him, the Father, or does it glorify you? So turn to Matthew chapter 6. Alright, we're going to be looking at chapters, tw- or, I'm sorry, uh, verses 22 through 23. So Matthew chapter 6, verses 22 through 23. And the Bible says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And then the light within you is darkness. How great is that darkness? It's talking about spiritual vision. Having good spiritual vision means being able to see things from God's point of view. And it's really hard to do when we're self-serving. It's really hard to do when we're being selfish. Selfish. So turn towards the back of your Bible now. And we're going to be looking at Hebrews chapter 13, verse 6. And no, I'm not talking about it being the man's job to make the coffee in the morning, ladies. That's what the timer's for. So Hebrews, chapter 13, verse 6. The Bible says, So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? So how do we learn to be content with what we have or where we are in life instead of wanting more, more money, more luxuries, more of the things that display status? You know, he who dies with the most toys still dies. I think we've all heard this before. We all have to remember to cherish and be thankful for the things that we have, the things we already have rather than to resent what we don't have. We will find contentment when we realize that what we have is enough and that God is more than sufficient. You know, those who accumulate great wealth, they very well may be saying by their own actions that God can't or won't take care of them. So when you look at somebody that seems to have a lot, you know, the nice clothes, the nice cars, the The, you know, the the nice home. They seem like they have it all together. The reality is, they're like that duck on top of the pond. On top, they look very cool, very relaxed, but underneath it, those feet are going a million miles an hour. You know, the reality is, they may well be be struggling to afford that front that they're putting up, a front that really doesn't matter because they're spiritually dead. You know, we've all heard that saying, more money, more problems. And it really doesn't matter how much is something you have when you give way to anxiety and other insecurities. Because these are the things that lead to the love of money and the lack of empathy or caring for your fellow man. You know, I'll remind you, money isn't the sin. It's the love of it that is. When it becomes an idol, that's a sin. Many don't even realize that they're chasing it because they're blinded by the sin. They're blinded by their own sin. See, trusting in the Lord to meet our needs, that brings real contentment with what you have, with where you are. We should all give thanks continually for the things that we have. In Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, that's Philippians chapter 4, verse 11, the Bible says, I am not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content, whatever the circumstances. Here, Paul is telling us, the secret to happiness lies in Christ's power and His promises, we should not only give thanks daily, but ask him to remove the discontent from our lives and to teach us to be happy about the blessing he's already given us instead. You know, on a, on a side note, I recommend reading this whole section in Philippians. Um, Philippians chapter 4, verses 10 through 20, which is specific to being uh, thankful for your gifts. Uh, you know, I recommend you come back, read that whole section. It's a very quick read. Uh, you know it's only the ten verses. Uh, it's very good though. All right. So from here we're actually going to be moving moving into uh First John. So let's go now to First John chapter two, verse seventeen. All right. First John two seventeen. The Bible says, "The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever." Here, John has pointed out that when we allow for our desires for possessions uh, and sinful pleasures to grow, we don't think about the fact that these things are all going to disappear one day. We lose sight of God's bigger picture and the fact that these are all temporary desires, temporary things. And, And when we push all these temptations to the side, as hard as it is sometimes, and sometimes it's pretty fierce. We all, but when we push them all to the side, we fall more in line with what God's will is for us. That's a pretty good thing. All right? if if what you want doesn't glorify God, an unanswered prayer may actually be. An answer. You know, it's kind of, you know, you go to mom and dad and you ask that question. They kind of look at you and they just go back to what uh, what they were doing. You know, like ah, that's a stupid question. You know, this is the same as praying for your football team to win. God doesn't care about that. And that brings brings us to my next point: prayer. Prayer is not a bargaining chip. Prayer is not a bargaining chip. So I'm going to share a true story with you. This is something I heard myself in the foyer of a church that I served in. All right. Um, An individual, he was out there with a few others, um, and he was talking about his understanding, which is sadly... It's from the Name It and Claim It teaching, which we know is is false teaching. And his description of how God answers prayers went like this. So you're in a good position financially. Your bills are paid. Your needs are met. You're able to save a little. Your long-term goal is to be 100% debt-free. So you keep praying to God to wipe out your debt. Then, you happen to come across someone, um, and you know that they're struggling to make their car payment, and you just happen to have enough money saved that you're able to make that payment for them. So you do it. You pay their bill, and in return, God will wipe out your debt once you tell him to, because God has promised to give us what we ask, and I'm going to demand that he keeps that promise. Man, it's right up there at karma right up there at karma who is he or anyone to, to demand anything of God you know and sadly he's not alone a lot of people have, have bought into this ridiculous theology um and it's poor it's very poor theology that that it's as if there are a little God on this earth and that God bends to their will. You know, the whole name it and claim it, Um, and and, uh, the word of faith teachings. um, They like to claim uh, that you can live your best life now. And they throw words around like abundance when talking about money. You know, nonsense like, oh, if you give to the church, then God will bless you with more money. And then you can give even more to the church, and then you'll be blessed with more money. And so on and so forth, repeating the cycle. And that is not what the Bible says. It is not. It's absolute nonsense uh, in, in, in doing this and buying into that kind of thinking what you're doing is you're creating another idol. you've put God in that back seat again you're saying you're in control not God you're, what, what you're doing is you're saying that he that God that the Father that Jesus answers to you and not the other way around and that is not the case. It's not. Well, what does it say? I'll tell you. Let's look at First John, chapter five. So, First John chapter five, verses fourteen through fifteen, which discusses prayer being in line with God's will. All right. So, First John chapter five, verses fourteen through fifteen, the Bible says. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. Let's also look at Luke 11 chapter, I'm sorry, verses 9 through 13. I keep saying chapter today. Why is it? So Luke chapter 11, verses 9 through 13. Because bo- both of these, but you know, that 1 John 5, 14 through 15, and Luke 11, 9 through 13, they both go hand in hand. So Luke 11, verses 9 through 13, the Bible says, So I say to you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be open for you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knows, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in Heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? So both of these verses are often misunderstood as promises that you will get anything that you ask for. And that is not what either one of these verses is saying. When you look at the context Look at the context. The Bible has it spelled out that we should pray for what pleases the Lord. Not what pleases us, but what pleases the Lord. Remember when I asked you earlier if what you want glorifies God or yourself? This is why, right here, when we talk to God We shouldn't be demanding anything. We shouldn't be bargaining. You you know that prayer. Lord, if you do this for me this one time, then I'll swear off this forever. And of course, that prayer is absolute baloney. We all know it. Instead, what we should be asking of God is what He wants for us. And when we talk to Him... About the things that are in alignment with what he wants for us. Then. Then. He will give us the answers that we're looking for. Now. Sometimes. Not as often. But sometimes. The answer to a prayer. Is delayed. We see this in Daniel chapter 10. So you go to Daniel chapter 10, verses 12 through 13, the Bible says, Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God, your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael one of the chief princes came to help me because i was detained there with the king of persia so here god sent a response to daniel's prayer D- daniel had been fasting and praying day in and day out however the angel that was sent to deliver it he got delayed He got delayed for quite a while. It wasn't until backup arrived in the form of Michael, the archangel, that this messenger was finally able to go and deliver God's response. Sometimes the answers take longer than we expect them to, to arrive. And it's because a spiritual battle is going on all around us. All around us. It's not because of anything that we've done, but because the forces of darkness are attacking. So we have to continue to pray and be patient and know that the answer will arrive. It won't arrive late, nor is it early. It arrives precisely when it's meant to. Hmm. I bet I know where Gandalf got his idea for arriving places from. You know, another answer to not hearing the answer that you're looking for is that you're continuing to live in sin. You keep saying you repent, but have you really? To repent is to acknowledge your sin and then to act on that, to turn away from it. You need to lean on the Father's strength and move away from it. You can't just say, I'm sorry, it won't happen again, just to do it again. Nobody likes an abusive relationship. God even tells us this. Turn to Proverbs chapter 1. Proverbs chapter 1, we're going to be looking at verses 23. Yeah, 23 through 28. All right, um... So Proverbs 1, verses 23 through 28, um, the Bible says, Repent at my rebuke, and then I will pour my thoughts to you. I will make known to you my teachings. But since you refuse to listen when I call, and no one pays attention when I stretch out my hand, since you disregard my advice and do not accept my rebuke, I, in turn, will laugh when disaster strikes you. I will mock when calamity overtakes you like a storm, when disaster sweeps over you like a whirlwind, when distress and trouble overwhelm you. Then they will call to me, but I will not answer. They will look for me, but will not find me since they hated knowledge and did not choose to fear the Lord, since they would not accept my advice and spurned my rebuke. They will eat the fruit of their ways and be filled with the fruit of their schemes, for the waywardness of the simple will kill them, and the complacency of fools will destroy them. But whoever listens to me will live in safety and be at ease without fear of harm. I know that's a lot. And again, in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 29. So Proverbs 16, 29, the Bible says, The Lord is far from the wicked, but he hears the prayer of the righteous. Like any parent, God's telling us what we need to hear. And in our childish way, we either listen or we don't. We choose. We make the choice. It's just like a parent telling a child, you better stop or something's going to happen. And they don't listen. And that consequence comes. And then they and all the other adults in the room go, ha, 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 I told you so. Our father is reaching out his hand and saying, take it. And we keep slapping it away. His warning is that if we keep slapping that hand away, he's going to stop offering it. That we need to listen and stop sinning. See, it's, it's it's pride again. Our pride, our sin is blinding us from what is right. It's hardening our hearts against the only one that can really help us. We keep going back to that sin, that drink, that slot machine, that bedroom, that bed with someone who isn't your spouse. Whatever that sin is. See, you can't rebuke the demons in your life and then keep opening the door for them to come back. You're like, oh, i just kidding, guys. Come on back. See, that's what's blocking your answer. You can't ask for something and then continually go back to it. Instead, we need to identify that sin and turn from it. That is what repentance is. Repentance is change. It is a change. We also need to ask God to help us because we can't overcome our sin without Him. He's just waiting for us to get out of our own way, humble ourselves, and come back to Him. Being the good parent that He is, He'll help us in our needs. We just have to choose Him over ourselves. We have to choose Him Over ourselves. You know, one of the biggest hindrances in our relationship with God is ourselves. I know I've mentioned a number since today, but the ongoing theme here, I'm sure you noticed, is pride. We are our own worst enemy. As much as we like to say, the devil made me do it. There's plenty of times when he didn't need to. We did it for him. Just like the men we're looking at in our Reluctant leader series and so many others throughout the Bible and throughout history, we just need to get out of our own way. We need to be humble and go to God with our problems and ask Him to help us to resolve them. And when we have the answer, even if we don't like that answer, we need to move forward on it. God's given us our marching orders. That's what that is. That answer, like or not, that is the answer. Start moving forward. Getting an answer from the Lord can be a long wait. So even though life sucks sometimes, we need to be patient. And we need to check what we're asking for. Is it for His glory? Is it in alignment with what He wants for us? And finally, are we living obediently or are we living in sin? Thank you for tuning in to Healing Scars with Pastor Burton. If you'd like to know more about our ministry, you can find us on Facebook at Be the Light Sanctuary, or you can visit our website at bethelightsanctuary.org. Thank you so much for listening. We'll catch you next time. God bless.